podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Hello! I don't get tired of listening to that, you know. I just love it. Richie Benno, Ian Smith, you know, celebrating brilliant English victories. It's it's fantastic. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, episode 284, I think. That's pretty good, Simon, isn't it? How long have we been going for now? Is it about three years? Yeah, at least. Yeah. We were before the, the onrush of podcasting. We were pioneers. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I hope everyone enjoys... Uh, listening to our, our weekly and sometimes bi-weekly efforts, talking about the the world of cricket, focusing uh, on the England cricket team and actually all the stories around cricket. What a story today. Uh, something that we haven't really come across before in international cricket, a game called off because of a, a positive COVID test for a South African player. That three-match one-day series was scheduled to start today at Newlands, in Cape Town, but one South African player has tested positive. And I think they're all scratching their heads because they've been in this bubble out there in, in South Africa. And yet one player has, has tested positive. The two teams are actually staying in the same hotel, not that far from the ground. It's a, it's a very nice hotel, but they're in sort of different sections of it. And I, as I understand it, the hotel is sort of closed. It's just there for the two teams. So I think they're scratching their heads. How did a, a South African player test positive for COVID. And of course, if the infection spreads among the team, and we'll find that uh, tomorrow, then it's very difficult for the series to go ahead, if you, if you think about it, simply because if you've got three or four players with COVID, it's, it's very difficult to actually get a team out and you can't bring anyone else into the bubble. So it, it must be in some doubt, uh, it would be fine, I, I imagine, if it is only one player, you know, retesting everybody, if the tests are fine, then on we go. I mean, the other point is is one you you've been making, uh, yours about you know the, the schedule now, the, the rescheduled match. Mm. Yeah, well, the, the, in fact, if they rescheduled it to Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, they've got three fifty over games in four days. Uh, so that's going to be very demanding. Of course, the great thing about the the one slight advantage about play matches played behind closed doors is that you can move them more easily either by the day or by the venue than you would if you had 25,000 people expected to turn up. So there is some flexibility, I suppose. But, I, I, you know, the more this this COVID story continues, the more mysterious the disease itself becomes, doesn't it? And so many kind of imponderables and, and, and things that have inexplicable things that are, are emerging. Not least, actually, um, you know, meanwhile, while this has been going on over in Australia, they're playing one-day internationals and 50, 20 over games over there with sort of half a crowd and the ball's being hit into the into the crowd and being quickly returned and cleaned by the umpire and they carry on. So you've got these sort of odd contrasts going on. Um, we'll just uh, have a little look at that uh, in a bit more detail, but uh, just also to say uh, in this podcast, we're going to hear from Graham Swan actually today, who's got some very interesting things to say about England's spinners and the art of spin. We had him in, as our guest in the virtual cricket club that Simon and I have created. He answered a lot of members' questions. So you can join our club by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com. Uh, it is a £6 subscription for a month, but you do get the chance for four live events, 
which will feature Isha Guha, the well-known commentator, next Thursday night. And it gives you the opportunity to ask direct questions to our guests. And we feature quite a few of those questions, actually, in the interview that we're going to play you with Graham Swan in a bit. And he says some pretty controversial things about the state of England's spinners and the sort of advice that they're not getting. But back to the more immediate story, this England cancellation. I mean, it, it does put the whole tour in jeopardy, really. Well, I, I would have thought it would do, yeah. As, as I mentioned earlier, if, if there's if more South African players test positive, then it's going to be very hard for them to, to get a team up, to get replacements into the bubble. But you, know, you think of all the efforts that the South Africans would have gone to to get this tour on. You know, It's important to them. Uh, Revenue-wise, you think of television contracts. I mean, that is the the most lucrative area for them. Obviously, no crowds. There'll be a bit of sponsorship, won't there, around the grounds that will feature on TV. You know, it's, it would be quite a significant uh, financial blow to the South African Cricket Board, and it is not the wealthiest cricket board in the world, not by any means. So, you know, they'll be desperately hoping that they can play the three matches against England. Of course, they've got three done already, and not that they went particularly well for South Africa and just a bit too good for them in the, the T20 format. Actually, just looking at the, the two teams that were lined up for the series, I mean, England missing players, South Africa missing players, it's very clear that the, the focus for the teams is on the, the T20 World Cup in, in India next year. The 50-over World Cup is very much on the back burner, the one in India in, in about three years' time. So there are two T20 World Cups uh, before then. and. I remember Chris Silverwood saying to me earlier this year, and I've mentioned it before, you know, are we going to see that much of Joffre Archer playing 50-over cricket for England? Well, he played at the back end of the summer in 50-over cricket for England, but he's not playing in this series. Ben Stoke not playing in this series. Sam Curran not playing in this series because they've had a big IPL and there's more cricket to come, of course. And it is relevant talking to Graham Swan with England going to Sri Lanka and India stroke UAE to play India in the new year when they're their spinning stocks will really be tested because that is where you really need your spinners to come to the fore. Of course, it's also great to have a a mainline spinner for any test series, as Graham Swan showed in what was a spectacular career, really, when you think about it, 255 wickets in 60 test matches. I mean, he was so important to that England side. Of course, when you go to... Sri Lanka and India, you need more, more, don't you? You need two, sometimes three spin bowlers. Yeah, definitely. And that's not going to change. And actually, you know, the Indian spin attack isn't that strong now either. I I mean, Ashwin seems to be sort of slightly peripheral to their their team. And Jadeja, very effective, but, but, you know, not kind of a big turner of the ball. And that actually is an interesting area, isn't it? Because... If you look at the spinners that are successful, they are the ones who don't turn the ball much, oddly. You know, if you go back to the era of Shane Warne and, and Kumble and, and obviously Murali, you know, the, the, the three leading spinners in world cricket, in test cricket, they all did turn the ball, especially Warne and Murali. They turned the ball massively. And they were mainly operating, or in fact exclusively operating, without DRS and without the advantage of Hawkeye and so on, showing bat balls and hitting the wickets, which often in the past umpires would give not out to LBW decisions. But now in the age of DRS, it isn't as important to turn the ball, but you've got to deceive the batsman, even if it's only just one ball that spins. But, you know, one of the most successful spinners in world cricket in the last five to six years is Rangama Harath from Sri Lanka, 
who doesn't really turn the ball at all. You know, just drifts it into the pads, maybe turns the odd ball. But he's got excellent control of line and length and just deceives the batsman by often beating the inside edge as much as he does beating the outside edge. And that, that is an area that we talked to, to Graham Swan about because he was absolutely brilliant at being able to, to fox the batsman by turning the odd ball, but also making it look as if it was going to turn and getting a lot of wickets with the ball that just went straight on. And, you know, I used to think as a, a sort of close analyst of the game that this was almost an accident that, you know, just, well, you know, people just say, well, some balls just don't turn. Uh, and perhaps that was how he was exploiting, you know, a little bit of vagary of the pitch. But actually, he will tell us in his interview that, in fact, it was deliberate. It was just subtle use of change of grip and change of release. And the other thing is, has DRS changed technique? Not really, according to him. Conventional wisdom is that DRS has changed batsman's style and method of combating spin, but Swan says that is not necessarily true. What I watch now, techniques haven't changed that much. It's just that off spinners don't bowl straight enough. Um, the England spinners certainly don't bowl properly to left arm to left down batsmen because they bowl for to try and get outside edges, so the ball's missing off stump a lot of the time. Um, it's a very simple thing that could be that could be sorted out if they spoke to the right people, but they don't do that. Um, but no, I just bowl to hit the stumps all the time. And techniques haven't changed, trust me, they're not. You see a good left-arm spinner bowling now, right-handed batsmen still get hit on the pad a lot, and, still get, and if they're playing down the line, the outside edge comes in. Um, it, it was a massive weapon for me because before that, I've seen footage of Dan Vittori bowling against England um, years ago in Christchurch, and Andrew Caddick was out of six balls in a row, LBW, plum LBW, uh, just going forward, and they, they weren't even appealing. If such was the game in those days. If you're on the front foot, it didn't matter. Back pad, back pad. So, um, so yeah, I think times have changed, but techniques haven't. Trust me, techniques haven't. And and you mentioned about off spin bowling. Um, just you've got a ball there, haven't you? Um, so I mean, I I, always, I often used to, to to talk to you about this, and you sort of tried to explain it. The the ability you have to make the ball some turn and some look as if they're going to turn, but because yeah. of a slightly different grip, they tend to just hit the seam and go straight on. Can you demonstrate that? So, yeah, so basically the off-spinner, so English off-spinners are supposed to hold it like this between those two knuckles. That is absolute cod's wall. If it doesn't work, you'll never be a decent test bowler if you do that. You should hold it between the first knuckle there and then this back one. That's what I always did, and really flick it. That's where you get a lot of revolutions. And so when you're bowling a normal off-feet, you come over the top, and when you're bowling one you want to go straight on, right at the last minute, you go underneath. So the ball will literally go down. I used to call it a flying saucer ball. And it will wobble on the way down, sometimes hit the seam and turn. Most of the time, go straight on. And it was a very powerful weapon to left-handed batsmen. How easy is it to pick that up as a batsman? That You, I mean, you obviously, that sleight of hand right at the last second, I mean, you, you must have faced lots of spin bowlers in your time. And you, you knew what you were trying to do. So presumably you were thinking about what they were trying to do. How how easy or difficult is it as a batsman to to pick up that sleight of hand at the last second? Um, it, well, seemingly it's quite hard. I got taught that by Ashley Mallet, Australian coach. No one in England had ever taught me that. No one in England who I spoke to afterwards knew about that ball. Um, he called it a square spinner. Um, and said it would be really useful when you're playing Australia. And he was dead right. 
no one I've seen since. I haven't seen any young lads who try and bowl it who understand how to bowl it. It's a very simple ball to bowl. And it is quite seemingly very hard to pick. I knew it was hard to pick because Mike Hussey, when he was at Northampton, he used to come out saying, mate, is that one ball you bowl? I always think it's an arm ball, but sometimes it turns. How are you doing it? And so I didn't tell him. I made something up and pretended it was all fluke because I thought I might play against him in the Ashes one day. Phil Vasey says, do, do, just to clarify this, he says, does the spin come off the first or the second finger? Right, so what I heard there, does the spin come off the finger? Um, yes, absolutely. So The first or second finger, says Phil. Does it come off the first or second finger? Spinners will get a, a callus on that finger there. That's because they're bowling the English way of spin, which is to have that ball, and it's like open the door. That You'll never get a great deal of revolution. You'll never get a lot of dip, drift or spin, bowling like that. But if you, if you turn that seam, so instead of the first knuckle, it goes into the second knuckle, and it hurts. And so you basically squeeze it out as hard as you can so the ball goes over the top of that knuckle. So I never got a callus on this finger, but I used to get an enormous hole, a chunk, come out of that finger there, especially when it was wet. An English ball, when the seam mm. is wet, will rip your fingers to shreds. I think you, um, um, did you not have glue? Did you not sometimes have to glue your, was that, is, am I imagining that, that you sometimes have to sort of glue your knuckles all sort of together to... I tried, I'll tell you the, the game, it was another test match at Cardiff, it was my Ashes debut when I used glue. For the first time I decided I use glue today, as we were 20 minutes before bowling my Ashes debut, I think I got none for 140. Mm. Um, and I never went back to glue. It's mm. <laughs> basically mm. all glue is, it's, it puts a, like a rubber-like, it's almost like a, a permanent plaster over your finger, but you lose all feeling in your hand. So you go to spin the ball and you don't, <laughs> you can't actually feel the ball. And I bowled like a drain. And it's a good job I got some runs, else I probably wouldn't have played in the rest of the series. Let, let's uh, carry on on that conversation, actually, because Scott Moody, as I, I mentioned to you, actually, before we started, uh, is one of our uh, members here. And he's a, a leg spin coach and former very good leg spinner, contemporary of Shane Warne. And he's uh, interested in the, the technique of modern spinners. And he says, watching Don Best bowl last summer, he was continually releasing the ball from the left of vertical. So in yes. other words, sort of 11 o'clock, uh, which meant no drift, very little turn or a fake turn because of the angle, making it look as if it was spinning when it actually wasn't. And no arm ball. Because he's not got a great deal of revolution and he's not really, because he bowls a lot in straight lines. He, he goes around a little bit, but he pushes the ball. Rather than when you bowl, you should come right across your body like a, an away swing bowler. That's, all off spinners should be able to bowl amazing away swings. It's not hard to rectify. Don could bowl... Proper off spin, I think, because he gets two or three balls every now and again that he clicks and it goes perfectly. But it seems to be that's his that's his mistake ball at the minute rather than his stock ball because it's he's not, just not been coached, not been taught to bowl how you need well, to. Well, well, Scott pressing. Scott says um, if he maintained horizontal eyes, lowered his release point, and changed his alignment, he could be a much better bowler. But have you been asked to work with him at all? No, I've, I've had, I have had a chat with him over Sky, uh, with Keezy, Ian Ward, me and him on like a Zoom, on one of these on the Zoom call. That's the uh, the limit of my contact with England's off spinner at the minute. I don't know why. I probably mm. missed the bus once once too often on tour. Here's here's something then, Swanee. Is it something that's quite easy, relatively easy? Um, yeah. I'm talking about top level international sport here, but is it something that's quite relatively easy to sort out? Or, or does it take a long? Would it take quite a long time to to work on it? 
it'd be very easy to sort out because it's not it's not rewriting the script. He's got a decent action. He doesn't put the reason he doesn't get that much spin on the ball is because where he released it from, he can't because it would that face when it would just go miles down the leg side. If he just changed his body angle and changed his rip, uh, changes arm position, he could put all his body rotation into it, come across his body and spin it twice as hard as he does at the minute. It wouldn't be hard. And, and Ashley Mallet taught you how to do that. But did you did you have to work out other things yourself? Or, or you know, was, were there people when you were growing up who said, look, do this, do that, this will work for you, that will work for you? Or, or did you have to sort of work it out for yourself and experiment? Yeah, a lot of people said, do this, do that, that'll work. And I didn't listen to any of them because they were wrong. I just, I fundamentally disagreed with how I was taught to bowl spin at a young age. I could spin it a lot more bowling how I wanted to, how I felt out of my hand. The reason me and Monty did so well against India 2012 was because I never listened to coaches growing up and Monty never understood coaches growing up. We got very lucky to have two spins at the same time for different reasons who were not coached by the English method. I'm convinced about that. That's really interesting. Richard Shelley, uh, you've got a sort of, you know, follow-up question, really. Um, so the follow-up question, um, Graham, is about your approach as a bowler between the first and second innings. Whereas the first innings, you all seem to be the, got to keep it tight to rotate the quicks from the other end. So in the second innings, perhaps being a bit more aggressive, a bit more positive in trying to take wickets and win the match. I wonder how you approach that different mindset. I used to try and take the pressure off myself at all times. Turning up to a day one of a test match, I would be thinking, there's no pressure on me whatsoever. I've not got to open the bowling. If we're batting, I'm number eight. That's fine. I can sit my feet up for two hours at least. If we're bowling, I've got to bowl what? And over before lunch, because we're English, and Spinner always has one over before lunch, even though it never gets a wicket. I've got to bowl six overs before tea, and then possibly 12 till the new ball. Maybe four, so maybe 20 overs in the whole day. There's no pressure on me whatsoever. I'll pick up one or two wickets because, you know, I'm bowling that many overs. And if I go for 50 runs, I've done my job. So straight away, I, I was just convincing myself that I had the easiest job in the world. And that made it a lot easier for me. Rather than thinking, oh, my God, I'm the only spinner. I can't let the seamers down. I've got to keep trying the ball. And I'd, I'd try and go about and try and have a body language that was as blasé, laissez-faire as I could. Even if in my head I was thinking, Christ, this wicket's good, or we've got our work cut out. And then in the second innings, I would do the exact opposite. I would say, the wicket is doing everything for me now. So the ball's turning, there's footholds. Uh, the pressure's supposed to be on me to win the game. Brilliant. I love that. I want to be man of the match. So bring it on. That's all I want. I want to be the man. I want to be famous. I want to be, I want to take more wickets than Jimmy Anderson. I'm much better looking than him. So I want more wickets than him as well. Stuff like that. And that took, again, I found that took the pressure off. Just following that then, Graham, did you find playing county cricket difficult because of the lack of atmosphere and that bigger pressure situation? I did. Well, I never found county cricket difficult until I came back. After we won the Ashes in Sydney in 2010, and by this point, once I was a fully contracted England player, I was only playing four or five county games a year, more or less at the start of the season when I'd be playing for my batting anyway. But the first time I put whites on again after Sydney, after that 25,000 Englishmen you know, singing, cheering, and that famous victory, it was at Hove in late April or early April, it seemed. And at one point, we, me and Mark Elam were at slip and we looked around the ground and there were two people watching. One of them had a rug on and I'm 
sure the one was dead. I'm sure the other one had died of frostbite. Even the seagulls weren't coming out. It was that cold. And the, and the TV cameras there were, as well. You could hear Bob Willis commentating in the commentary box <laughs> behind a window. It was that dead. And it was honestly, it was the worst game of cricket I've ever played in my life. I, I, I seriously thought, is it possible to retire from county cricket but carry on playing for England? Because I would have done it on the spot. So that was all a mental thing. That took a lot of sitting down, long, hard looks in the mirror saying, come on, get over yourself. This is your bread and butter. You need to get back up. But it is difficult. Was Bob saying nice things about you? Well, but, but I, I love Bob, honestly, because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people didn't realise that Bob is one of the, or was one of the funniest blokes going. Yeah. And he played the miserable old git on Sky brilliantly. Mm. And I always remember, so he, I went in as night watchman in that game. <laughs> and I was on naught. I blocked out two balls. That was the end. And the next morning, they interviewed me <laughs> before, before we went out to bat. And I said to him, I said, Bob, strap yourself in. You're about to see my first double hundred in county cricket. <laughs> and I walked out and got caught cover for first ball of the day. <laughs> and I just remember Bob, as I was walking off, I looked up at the mic, he sat in the corner of my eye. And he was obviously being all serious. And then he put the mic down and just gave me a big double thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was a good ball. Sometimes you just get a good one, all right? Alex Gaywood, if Alex Gaywood are, is ready, you had a, a good question about spin. So my question is, as a spinner, did you get more satisfaction when you took a wicket with just a one-off jacker that came out of nowhere? Or was it more enjoyable when over the course of several overs you plotted and built up the pressure until the batsman just effectively gave his wicket away to you? Without a doubt, the reason I love the longer form of the game, the reason I will never have the affinity in my heart for T20 or one-day cricket that I do for Test cricket is exactly for that reason. You can bowl an absolute jaffer in a one-day game and get a wicket and the big replay goes, up, hey, brilliant. But give me two or three hours of being in a battle with someone and of working on a plan slowly, slowly, like a long game of chess, when it actually works and it comes off and a plan you've been going for. And it was normally me and Mushy. Mushy was my spin coach for England. And we'd plot and we'd think, how are we going to get this guy out? I always remember getting Verenda Sawag bowled through the gate in Calcutta. And we'd said at the start of the day, how many times will we let him hit you for four or let him get away with it before we dare to dream that we'll get one through the gate. And I'd said six times, six extra cover drives. And he said, no, Mr. Swanee, five times, five times. <laughs> and he'd hit me for five. And we, we were counting them. No one else in the world knew that this little game was going on, but me and Mushy. And the first ball after lunch, I bowled him through the gate, going for this, go for a sixth one. And I just remember turning around. Honestly, if I could have wrapped up all the wickets I ever took, that one felt more special at that particular moment because it was something we'd worked on so hard to... Absolutely. The odd Jaffa, great. Then more luck than judgment, but working on one, working on one, and eventually when it pays dividends is a wonderful thing. Gareth Hadley says, has batting, has becoming the, the or being the England spinner now become like being the England test wicketkeeper, i.e. you must be able to bat. So a Tufnell or a Panasar, if available today, and I suppose Jack Leach might fit that category a bit, wouldn't necessarily fit in the, fit into a team. Uh, no, I think, I, I think probably that is what they think when they're picking a team. 
But what they what England failed to realise is that the spin is a bona fide and very important part of being a number one team in the world. If you're going to win test matches and get up and win that test championship and win overseas, you can't treat your spinner as, as a luxury who you don't play in test matches, who, you know, I've seen two or three games where Joe Root has been expected to, oh, he'll do the overs for the spinner. Bollocks. As, while we're thinking like that, we'll get destroyed in India and Sri Lanka. Although, although actually, Joe Root could be quite a good spinner. I mean, he's got he's got the he's got the natural skill, but perhaps not the application. Because Joe Root is a brilliant sort of part time spinner who can yeah. bowling spin as a as a as a you know your first and foremost skill in the Test team is not a part time job. It's not something you do when you're not batting just because you're fielding. English cricket has to move way ahead way beyond that way of thinking if we're ever going to move forward either with spinners or batting against spinners. Because the very fact that you just said that, I'm not having to go at you, Yossa, but the very fact that that's still prevalent in people's yeah. minds yeah. is absolutely hardship. Yeah, and, and I, I suppose the, the evidence is very clear with, well, you've got Shane Warne, Anil Kumble and um, Murali, who are the th- three easily the leading three spinners in the world and none of them would really have great pretensions as a batsman would they although they, they made their runs but they were specialist bowlers and that's what they're they're in the team for every being game being able to bat down the order means if you score a 30 you've done a brilliant job or a 40 incredible job 30 or 40 means nothing if you're not taking 20 wickets in a series i mean if you if you're a good in a bowl of five or nine wickets in the game, the 30 runs you got, or 40 runs you get, mean nothing because you've completely outweighed them. And so rather than, we do pick spinners who'll get two or three wickets in the match and they're 30 odd runs and think that they're doing a good job. They're not, they're bit part players. We need to, we need to aim higher than that. You've talked very passionately, you always have done about spin, uh, Swanee. You saw, I sort of sensed earlier that you, you feel a bit, a bit miffed actually, that you're not asked to be involved. I mean, you are England's second most successful spinner of all time, and yet, and yet, you're not you're not asked to be involved and try to help spin bowling in this country. Well, I, yeah, I am miffed to be honest, because um, and you can ask Yoz, you can ask Strauss about this one day after a couple of years of thinking, why the hell aren't they asking me? Because the second you finish playing Test cricket is the second you're most relevant, you're most valuable as a coach. If Jimmy Anderson finishes playing cricket and they make him do England women or Lancashire seconds or something like that to get his stripes, it would be the biggest cry and shame in the world. And before anyone cries foul, I'm not I'm going to go at the England women team or Lancashire second team. You know my point. The second he finishes, he is fresh. He knows all the players. He knows the game currently. He's not had to take a few years off. He should go straight in as head coach or head bowling coach for England. Arguably, I should have been asked immediately to coach all the spinners because I was that was me. I was relevant. I knew the game. I knew everyone inside out. I could. You, that's when you can impart everything. You, you don't get that from a few years out of it. You lose that straight away and you become run of the mill. You become humdrum, which is a crying shame. It's quite slightly ironic as well that we we seem to employ spin coaches who are always overseas. You know, it's either in your case mushy. So after a couple of years of feeling properly miffed about it. Strousey phoned me up one day and I was in the car with my wife, Sarah. And, um, and he said, ah, Swanee, let's talk about this off-spin um, coaching role then. I went, finally, Strousey, it's taken you long enough. And he went, yeah, wh- how do you think Sackley Mushtak could get on? 
Are you serious? Yes. I went, I think you do, great. And then Saturday Muschet as my coach. Honestly, I, I just thought, I mean, I love Strauss to bits and he wouldn't have realised what he was doing. He was genuinely just trying to see. Because I think there was, um, from there, I'm thinking that he, he doesn't want to end, end to do coaching, just wants to be in the commentary box, whatever. I've always wanted to impart something back. I, I don't I, want to get all these level three and four coaching badges to tick a box and tell me how to bowl off spin. That's absolute nonsense because I've seen it and seen how they coach it. But I'd love to be able to help spinners. Well, that was Graham Swan in our virtual cricket club on Thursday evening at seven o'clock. It's a regular event next week. Isha Gua will be with us at, well, perhaps a little later. Just uh, look out for that because she's in Australia at the moment. We don't want to get her up too early. But she'll be joining us next Thursday evening in the virtual cricket club. Really looking forward to that. So Graham Swan then, why do you think it is that he has not been asked to work with England. I mean, he is in the, the, the media world now, doing all sorts of different things. Yeah, sometimes he's on a quiz show, sometimes he's in a, a commentary box. Is it a case, Yoz, do you think that, that once you cross the river, if you like, it's very hard to row back onto, onto the other side, that you're, you're seen as them, if you like, you're seen as, as one of them, one of the, sort of the, you know, the, the commentator on the game, rather than the person involved in the game. I'm, you know, I'm thinking of people like Mark Waugh, for example, he got a job at, at Fox Sports, in, in Australia, resigned as Australia selector. Ravi Shastri, really huge name in Indian television, became the India coach. Of course, he you know he can't go back into the commentary box at the moment while he's doing that job because you know, there is a, a a conflict of interest. Is is it just that? Do you think? I think it's mainly that, and I think you get used to um, the, the 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 money actually that you probably get paid in quite high profile media circles as well, and you, you're pretty pretty reluctant to give that up if you're a very successful pundit. Uh, I think there is also you know this element within a team that you slightly mistrust someone who's got one leg in the media camp and is out over there in the commentary box, sort of almost divulging secrets from the dressing room. Uh, where will that end up? You know, it's it, it just means I think there's a little bit less trust from the players to the coach if he's also doing media work all the time. Of course, there is one person who does seem to straddle that divide, and that's Ricky Ponting, who's done a lot of commentary in the last mm. two years, and he's very good. Uh, and, you know, he does. He didn't do the IPL because he was coach of the uh, Delhi Capitals, but he has done a lot of media work recently. But he's also the assistant coach for Australia in many competitions or has been recently. So somehow he's actually managed to be in both camps. But generally, it does seem to be a decision you have to make. And I think it's a bit of a shame because, you know, the likes of NASA saying Michael Atherton, Michael Vaughan, Graham Swan, you know, they've all got very valuable uh, advice, experience, knowledge to pass on. And sometimes when you talk to players, they're quite surprised when you get a player, and I'm sure you've experienced this, when you get a player who comes into the commentary box and does a little stint, he quite often says, I'm, I'm quite surprised what I found out there. You know, I've, I've learned something. Um, I, I realise there's actually a lot of knowledge there that we could utilise. Joe Root says that. You know, he, he, he does really admire the commentators and the stuff that they can impart. So I think, you know, England and maybe other countries are missing a trick. They could make better use of these pundits than they do. I wonder if the you know is the scope of the role, isn't it? That you know, it, if you're the spin bowling coach, you're you're sort of expected to do that role. I don't know for for two years, or so you might get a two year contract. Although you you notice 
recently, you know, someone is brought in for a series, aren't they? You know, he, he will be our spin consultant for a series. So I, you, what you wonder is whether someone like Swanee could be used in a role like that. You know, you, you give him a short term contract, you know, I, whether that's enough is another matter altogether. And actually, if you, I've had quite a lot of conversations and listened to a lot of uh, Graham talking about spin bowling. And one of the things that he says, actually, is it's about the young spinners. And I know he's, he's passionate about that, that you need to teach them from a young age to, to really spin the ball hard. So you actually, what you wonder is whether someone like Graham would be far more use rather than working with the England team, or perhaps you work with the England team as well, but working with you know, the really young, promising spinners in the game, because that, that is such an important thing. Get them when they're young. Mm. And uh, it is. And also, uh, the point he made about being useful straight after you retired is very valid too. You know, almost the, the more the older you become, the more disconnected you become from the game, the less value you are. Whereas straight after you've retired, you're so in touch with the game, you totally understand it, you know all the nuances and everything. That is the, the best time to be involved uh, as, a, as a coach, as a former player. And I remember Darren Goff actually being slightly mystified when, you know, he'd had a tremendously successful career, as a, particularly as a one-day bowler. And then England were looking around for a bowling coach. He's, he was he was saying, well, why not me? You know, I, oh, because you haven't done the coaching badges, and that was such a shame because he was he was brilliant, particularly at the death. You know how to bowl a Yorker, and you know just exactly how to think out bowling at the death for different situations. Uh, what a, an opportunity England missed, and you know that could be one of the reasons why they were so slow to to really develop their one day cricket. Well, I think it's going to come up again, isn't it? England's resources or lack of. In the spin department, uh, they are going to be uh, tested in the next uh, few months against Sri Lanka and India. We're looking at uh, potentially six test matches, although nothing has been uh, put in ink uh, just yet. One other thing as well, you, I heard you mentioned earlier about India's spin bowlers. You know, you, you feel they're 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 not their stock is not quite as high as it used to be. I think what one thing about India though is it, it's actually their batsmen just get more runs don't they in their own conditions they know how to bat in their own conditions so what you have a situation where England actually last time in India countered their spin attack pretty well they, they got 400 quite regularly but actually then India would go out there and get 600 700 as, as it was in Chennai so it's 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 one thing to say that India you know they're not necessarily going to spin you out for 200 certainly not in the first innings or 280 in the first innings but they they're canny enough they know how to use their conditions and the batsmen of course unless you've got top class spin bowlers as England did when they won last time in India the last time they won in India under Alistair Cook when they had Graham Swan and, and, and Monty Panesar you know they had two two excellent bowlers for those conditions they they really were you know monty sort of firing it in hard to the pitches and graham swan using all his sort of skill and, and improvisation and, and also you know that that sense of personality which he he brought to his spin bowling as well yeah uh, th there's a general point to be made about that and that is that if you have good spinners in your country then it enables the batsman to be better at playing spin mm. And so, you know, one of the reasons why the Indians are very good against spin is because they face a lot of it, and a lot of, of it is pretty good. Though at test level, not outstanding, ironically. Mm. But in England, we don't have quality spin too much. I mean, you know, Jack Leach, we had on our virtual club a couple of weeks ago. He's a steady bowler. He's nothing fancy. There would have been probably eight or nine bowlers of similar quality in county cricket 20 years ago. Uh, 
Dominic Bess is a work in progress. You know, he's got areas of his technique which aren't very good. For instance, his his head leans over to the left when he lets go of the ball. His eyes are sort of pointing upwards, almost aligned upwards, whereas your eyes should really be level with the ground or parallel with the ground. And his arm is beyond the vertical, so he doesn't get that drift which you could get if you had a slightly rounder arm action. And what Swan says is that, you know, the best off spinners are able to bowl an outswinger as well with a slightly round arm release and and the, a, a following through across their body and actually i remember funnily enough in that one of those test match special silly games we had a couple of years ago swanee came on first change in at derby and, and bowled beautiful outswingers far better than i've ever bowled so it, you know it, it, there's some technical issues which means that some of the standard of england spin bowling is not very high therefore probably the standard of batting against it isn't very high either and that could be rectified by better use of, of all this knowledge knocking around in the commentary box. Yeah, um, well, it's not going to be rectified in the short term, though, is it? And, you know, England are, are facing a, a very, very tricky start to the year. They're, they're practising up at Loughborough at the moment, or they have been practising at Loughborough on pitches that are a bit scuffed up to try to simulate the conditions that they like to face in the new year, which is a help, isn't it, actually, to be able to practise outside at this time of the year on a on a grass pitch albeit you know a, a roughed up one and I, I noticed uh, Will McPherson in the standard uh, today had a, a decent story that Rory Burns might miss some of England's tour of Sri Lanka whenever it is in January because of the birth of his first child so that you know there's that aspect to and that we talk about Covid we talk about England's lack of spin there's also the that aspect to it as well, the, the family side of it, that mm. family comes first. And we, you know, we're about to see that actually in, in Australia, aren't we? Virat Kohli <laughs> is going to play just the first test match and then off he goes. And, you know, for a big series for India, they're going to be missing their, their star batsman. And probably Rohit Sharma as well, unless he recovers rapidly. I, I, I'm rather gloomy about India's prospects for that series, actually. I think the Aussies have just sort of regained their mojo over the last year and they're now looking a pretty fearsome unit actually even though they have lost to, to India today but in the T20 but overall you know they're looking a pretty strong operation actually it's actually 2-2 though isn't it if you, if you look if you still think about the four results on the the tour so far it feels as if Australia have been you know dominant so far mm. uh, admittedly they have won the the one day series 2-1 but actually both sides have won two white ball matches each but I agree with you I think in the test matches there's sort of ruthlessness about Australia and I saw it against New Zealand uh, earlier this year in that that series where you know people had high hopes for New Zealand's chances and loads of Kiwis came over for the you know the test series Boxing Day test match and they got absolutely bulldozed in that series they played three three matches almost identical and Australia won them all comfortably in the same way got too many runs New Zealand didn't get enough <laughs> they piled up a huge score in the third innings set them a huge total and then they just rolled them over so Perhaps, you know, India need to bat first and get some decent runs on the board. I mean, fair play to them. If they are able to challenge Australia in this series in Australia, then, you know, you, you have to say that is a pretty good effort. I know they won there last time, which which was, a you know, that was a decent effort as well. But there was no Smith and no Warner in Australia's lineup, which inevitably is going to have some sort of impact on Australia. But it, it does feel as if it's it, it sort of, it, very much Australia's to lose and of course you know no Smith no Warner they're back and and then no Kohli for India I mean there's a huge couple of massive pluses for Australia and a huge 
minus for India. Mm. Well, we'll hear more about uh, what the prospects are for that Test Series next Thursday because, as we said, Isha is in our virtual cricket club and she's out in Australia at the moment covering that series of one-day games followed by the Tests. So it'd be interesting to, to get her perspective on the state of Australian cricket uh, when she uh, appears in our virtual cricket club next Thursday. You can join us, as I said earlier, by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com. The members there are really engaging. We've created a WhatsApp group as well, which uh, people have been continuing to post stuff in till, you know, God knows what time. So, you know, there's been lots of sort of interesting stuff going on in that club, worldsbestcricketclub.com. We'd love you to join us because it's in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust, the charity that looks after players who've fallen on hard times. And one final thank you, uh, after thanking Simon Mann again for his input today is just to say thank you to Beer52 for supporting this podcast the craft beer service is going well at the moment I've still got stocks Simon I better restock you I think as well Beer52 well, Christmas, is, oh, Christmas is coming we're going to need lots of those craft beers so Beer52 yeah Beer52 I will I'll get Santa to drop some in on, on Christmas Eve Beer52.com slash cricket you can get your eight free craft beers for just six pounds postage and packing that is a really good offer okay hope you can join us next thursday in the virtual cricket club thanks for listening Podcast Network.